Welcome to the Coast Talk Talk podcast. I'm your host, Nick Swinburn, otherwise known as Coast Talk. I've been a lifelong entrepreneur. Whether it's sports, tech, food, fitness, I've got a bunch of passions. I've also been fortunate enough to invest in some of my favorite sports teams. Along the way, I've met a bunch of great people, whether athletes, entrepreneurs, executives, and we hope to dive into their stories on our show. You'll hear backstories, successes, and failures throughout our discussions. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you enjoy listening to the show. This is Coast Talk Talk. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Coast Talk Talk podcast, where we deep dive into the passion projects of the best athletes and entrepreneurs every week. You'll hear their backstory, successes, and failures throughout our discussions. Be sure to stick around to the end of the episode for a bonus question. On today's show, I sit down with Buster Share, founder of Hoops Nation at age 15, I believe, still young, 21 years old, host of the Buster Show, host of the Crew League, hosts some NBA shows, investor, advisor, maybe most notably, former co-host of the Scuffle Show. Uh, Buster, welcome to the show. It's exciting to uh, catch up with you. Thank you for having me. All right, so let's start. I, I know uh, you know we've talked quite a few times, but I've never really heard the background story of Hoops Nation, which I know was uh, kind of your big your big start. So I guess if you want to introduce yourself, anything I missed, and then just a quick background story of how you how you got into creating Hoops Nation. No, you you hit a lot of the big points. I forget most of the things that I'm doing, so you probably did a better job than I could. Um, you know, I started Hoops Nation when I was 13 years old as a fantasy basketball outlet. I thought that just because I won my fantasy leagues when I was 13, for the sole reason that I would switch guys out on a daily basis in my in my fantasy lineup and put more effort in than everybody else, I thought that I had some grand information that the world of NBA fans needed to hear. So I took it upon myself to start a fantasy basketball media outlet. Um, and then when I realized, you know, after about a year of blogging that nobody cared about fantasy basketball media from a 13 year old, uh, you know, I, I decided to broaden it out and make it all NBA. And then eventually it turned into all different levels of basketball, uh, which is, you know, sort of how, how hoops nation came to be originally on Facebook. Um, and that's, that's sort of how I learned the, the social scene. But at the same time, I moved from New York to Connecticut my sophomore year of high school and started doing play-by-play broadcasting. And that's, you know, sort of the combination of doing that. When I was a junior, I won best in the country for high school play-by-play for whatever that's worth. It sounds greater than it is. I bet like five people applied to win whatever that was, but it sounds great. And the combination of me having like this decent-sized audience back then on Facebook and on Snapchat and like this award or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, sort of allowed me to do some fun things while I was still in high school and, and, you know, get a bit of a bit of a head start and get some experience under my belt at a, at a pretty young age. And that's, um, that's really how it started. Uh, you know, and, and hoops nation now is, you know, one of the biggest independent sports media outlets, you know, for American sports, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, you know, most, most outlets are, you know, owned by much larger corporations, whether it's like Disney or Turner and, you know, they just scoop everything up. So it's, yeah, I'm pretty proud of the fact that it is, uh, you know, completely independent. It's just fun. So 13, you're blogging about fantasy sports, not much traction. It sounded like, like what, what kind of, what kind of viewership or, or. I remember back on Facebook, it wasn't followers, it was likes. So like how many people liked your page? And I had 300 likes after a year, I think. Uh, was that every day? Are you posting every day, once a week? Oh, yeah, multiple times a day, like full paragraphs. And I'm dyslexic and ADHD too. So like I looked back a few a few years ago, and oh my God, it was a grammatical nightmare. Every single one of those paragraphs and pages that I was writing up on, on guys. And I, I, some of the points I made weren't bad. Like I remember one of the things I would always say is like, draft Andre Drummond because he gets... You know, he puts up the double doubles and it adds up in these types of leagues. And over the next five years, that was true. So I, I made some hard points, but grammatically it was a disaster. And to be frank, I don't even know why 
300 or 500 people liked it, you know, as it was. And you kept going because you enjoyed it, because you thought it could be something else, or you weren't even really, you didn't really, you weren't really thinking about either. You were just doing something every day. To be honest, I have no idea why I was doing it. I thought that like, I thought, actually, I remember why I started it. I started it because ESPN didn't have a fantasy basketball, you know, sort of like niche. So I was like, oh, well, if they're not going to do it, I might as well do it. And then I kept doing it because nobody else was doing it. And that was the reason that I kept doing it, because I just wanted it to exist, which is actually the same reason I do a lot of the stuff that I, I do even now. It's just because it doesn't exist and I wanted to. So, so at the end of the year, you've got, at the end of the year, how many, at the end of the year where you're at the 300 to 500? Or at the end of the year, there was kind of a I mean, big... It might have even been longer than that. It might have been like a year and a half. I, I don't remember. What was the event that that turned it into more than that? Like, when did that happen? And do you remember? Well, I, I completely ditched it and started this thing called All NBA All Day, um, which was just broader basketball. And that's, you know, where I started doing live streams where I talked about the NBA and I used all these like social back channel strategies, like sharing my live streams and all these different community groups and things like that and answering questions and just like one by one building that, that audience up. That was, that was how that started. And then where did it end? Where did, where, where did you, you know, when did you need to bring on a team? You know, how many people did you bring on? What was the, what was the transition? Not until I graduated high school. And then, you know, I just wanted to allocate all of my time elsewhere. And then I started, I was looking for younger me's. So I was looking for like the kid, like the 15, 16, 17 year old that was just passionate about doing this. And I could give them like a huge head start and give them a percentage of the ad revenue. So basically just like throw them to the front, you know, the, of the track that I, I wish I was, uh, when I was that age. And, and, uh, you know, I found a few of them and, you know, they're still doing stuff with Hoops Nation today, two and a half, three years later. And, uh, it's been, it's been great. And then TikTok, you know, totally changed the game and Instagram obviously changed the game. I think we, we have something like, I don't know, 400 million likes on TikTok, <laughs> you know, just to, like comparing those, those numbers is pretty crazy to think about, but you know, I, Hoops Nation is, is definitely, you know, the first iteration of things, the plan at a certain point, like when I, when I, I was graduating high school and, you know, it's something that I think unless I sell the business at some point will happen is we'll have like a nation in every niche category. So like, you know, we own the travel nation domains and, you know, we have cards nation for collectibles and, you know, eventually there will be beauty nation and things that, you know, I'll, I'll just have to find the person that's interested in that stuff the same way I did for hoops nation to be able to run those with, you know, sort of the strategy and uh, momentum that I'm, I'm able to, you know, sort of throw in. So it's still, it's still an independent brand. Um, are you still involved? Do you, do you participate on a daily basis? Do you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm involved. I'm involved. I try to set things up as much as I can. You know, there, m- most days I don't do anything though. Uh, I will say that, but I, I am involved. What um, happened? No, no days off. Season. I feel like this is a, you know, giving me conflicting messages here. No, well, no, no days off. Season. We can get into that. But that's, that's all, all like, um, workouts, physical health. Yeah. Okay. So you, so you got hoops nation and I think there's two, there's two parts to that they're interesting to me. One, you've got a, you've got a long-term vision of rolling out additional categories. You know, what stops you? How do you know what, like, how do you know, why is that not today or tomorrow or, and then two, it's interesting that you have kind of from the start stacked things, you know, you haven't kind of done one thing and then moved on to the next and forgotten about the first thing you've been, you've been good at stacking things and being able to do multiple things, which might seem obvious to you, but a lot of people, myself included at times, you you move on to the next thing and you kind of forget about the the past thing. So I guess that's, two, probably, that's probably the best compliment I've ever received. So thank you. <laughs> no, I mean it's 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 a it's a lot harder uh, than it seems. So what was the okay, so Oops Nation, I guess before we get into future plans, what was the um what was the next thing? Because how did you break into hosting or where was the was it outside attention? Yeah, so there, there are a few little things from high school that I think are key to the story here if, if we're going that direction. So when I was 16, I found this guy online named Gary Vaynerchuk. And I was just like, oh, my God, 
I'm a terrible student. He talks about being a terrible student. You know, he has this energy. He wants to buy the jets or whatever. And he's, you know, in the space in New York. He talks in a way that seems like me. He's like, F college. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is who I want to be. Like, and he's right there. He had 200,000 Instagram followers at the time. And like, not that many. He, people knew who he was in sort of like the uh, VC and New York scene, but he wasn't, you know, that guy from TikTok and, you know, that ha- now has like impersonators. Um, but, you know, so I, I was just telling everybody that I knew my uncle, who was a professor at um, Columbia, my mom, I, just, I told, you know, friends at school, like this guy is saying, you got to check this guy out. And, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, sort of just throwing stuff out there in as many directions and you never know what's going to hit. Eventually, like there was, I don't remember if it was through my uncle or through my mom, but somebody had a friend, a friend who had Gary coming in to speak at their Columbia class. Um, And they knew that I was a big fan of his. And they were like, well, do you want to come in and sit in on this Columbia graduate class that Gary's going to be a guest speaker at? So I sort of like, I sort of reverse engineered it. And there were a few other things. Like I had asked a question on his show that was answered, something like that. I went in, um, long long story short, just walked up to him and introduced myself afterwards. And he said I should come hang out at the office and was impressed with the stuff that I was doing. And I was, you know, probably 16 at the time, maybe 15. And I ended up interning at VaynerMedia my summer going into junior year, um, that same summer, I also interned for a company that was small at the time. It's called Overtime. Uh, they had 10 employees at the time. So it was, uh, it was a pretty cool in- inside look into a company that ended up, you know, now has hundreds of employees and is one of the biggest, you know, sports media outlets there is. Um, but they also got me into show hosting uh, and gave me my own show. Um, and that, that's sort of how I got started there. And then on the entrepreneurial side, it was just being around the Vayner and Gary ecosystem. What was that first show called? I think it was called Take That L. I think that was the name of the show. And it was me and this guy, Kyle, who's a hilarious New York comedian. It, it would, I would bet the farm that he's going to be famous one day. Um, but his name's Kyle Pennant. And uh, yes, yeah, so we just did this like crappy Facebook live talk show that, you know, went on way longer than it should have. But, uh, it was, it was a good test. I feel like for every successful show, like it, it takes 40 to fail. It, um, that was one of the 40. I mean, I means I'm getting close. <laughs> I think the same thing with businesses though. I think like I used to have a real, like a weight, you know, for starting something and stopping it. And then over time you just, you realize it's not about you or your ego and it's just, let's, Try as hard as we can. When something changes, which is not reversible, then you got to get on to the next one. Get get one step closer. The um, so those internships, did they have a fixed end, or did you say I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to something else? Was it just for the summer, or how I, did you- I had the luxury of sort of deciding how long I wanted to because I was willing to do whatever. I didn't even need or care about money. Um, uh, grateful that I was able to, to be like that. I just wanted to spend as much time around these people as possible and learn as much. And that's where I saw the value. Uh, so they were like, how much time do you want to spend? So I spent a month, a month at each. Yeah. Yeah. So that summer I spent, you know, a month at Vayner, a month at overtime and then a month doing my own stuff. And then, so where are you now? You're now you're like a senior in high school at this yeah, point. Senior. Do you have a clear vision of what's, I mean, most high school seniors, don't have a clear vision of what's next. Did you, could you see your path now or you're just more thinking, I just want to explore as many things as possible, see where it goes. I knew I wasn't going to go to college because I didn't apply to college. And I got like, um, it's so funny. Like even when I tell people, like I had, I think I had double the time to take the SATs. Like that's how dyslexic and, you know, learning difficulty is the term they put on it. Uh, you know, I, I was, so I had double the time that everybody else did take the SATs and I still got like the worst score out of everybody. <laughs> so a combination of that, not wanting to go to college and having this outside success made the decision fortunately pretty easy for me. 
um, you know, and, and there are a few other key people along the way whom I met before I graduated high school who helped me with it. Like one of my good friends, Ben, whose family builds New York skyscrapers. And he was like, when you graduate high school, you got to get an apartment in, uh, you know, our family's building. And he was like, a you know, a, a big brother for me for those, those first couple of years. And, uh, in the city, a lot of little things like that, that, uh, you know, sort of added up to it. But I met with a college advisor and she told me that I was the first person she had ever told not to go to college. And that was what did it for my parents. And then, you know, I just sort of ran with it and moved into the city immediately after high school. And, you know, never, never looked back. I feel ancient now, but it's funny because all like the, the kids my age are just maybe graduating college now, but <laughs> I've, I've been in the game for 10 years, which is, you know, pretty bizarre to, to think about. I feel old. So how, so I don't know the new, you know, the new normal, but it doesn't, I'm guessing that there's not a ton of high school kids getting internships in their summer vacation, or maybe there are like, how was your, you know, having a, I think abnormal success and outside uh, interactions during high school, I, th- I think abnormal, um, at least for my generation, it would have been abnormal. How was your high school experience? Like would, would the people you went to high school with and they see what you're doing now, would they say, oh, we knew all along? Or would they say, what, how is Buster doing all this? I, I think it, I think it depends who you asked. Hindsight 2020. I remember, I mean, I was made fun of for every little thing that I did obviously, um, because that's just how high school is. I'm, I'm weird though. Like I didn't drink. I never smoked. Like I didn't go to parties. Like my Friday night was broadcasting the local football game, you know? So it wasn't, I didn't care then that much. I wanted to be popular. Everybody wants to be popular and liked, but you know, I think I had the luxury of not being either one of those. Was there, what's the earliest point you can remember? Like before high school, is there any event or anything you did or any comment from a teacher advisor which made you think you know I might be an, I might be an entrepreneur I might be if when you look back at it you go you know what that person really that comment they made which didn't make sense to me at the time really makes sense to me now no never because I always felt like I was bad at everything like that was yeah, I was bad at school every teacher told me that and like everything I did I felt like went wrong and uh so I kept trying new stuff and, you know, I was buying and selling sports cards young, like everybody, you know, everybody else. Um, but no, there was no indicator to me. Um, I knew I I always liked the idea of entrepreneurship or, or businesses or being in business or, you know, just sort of doing stuff on your own, but no, I I thought I was going to be a marine biologist just because I like nature. Um, and, uh, yeah, once I found out there was a lot of work required to do that, it wasn't it wasn't as appealing anymore. <laughs> I think it's interesting because you made me think. So in sixth grade, our class we had a chance to write a book, right? So I wrote a book, baseball trivia, probably the easiest book you can you can write. You know, you just get a bunch of questions and put the answers. And I remember my sixth grade teacher telling me there was another kid, Jimmy, who was much smarter, much more talented, and he didn't he chose not to write a book. And the teacher said, you know, you should remember this because. The most important thing here is not how good is your book. It's the fact that you you tried. You know, you're willing to do it. You didn't right. care how good it was. She goes, and you see other kids. So I almost think it's a blessing at times. To It's it's really hard to balance as a, as a young person. But I think at times it's a blessing to be told you're not good at something or internally to not have the expectations of being perfect because it gives you the freedom to try a lot more things. If you If you believe, if you're told you're perfect or you believe that you're incredible. There's so much pressure to have that apply to everything you do. And so I think it was interesting to hear you say that kind of reminded me of, of that same thing. I mean, dude, like everything I did, it's so funny now. Like I was, um, but I tried things that other people wouldn't like I was a freshman on an all junior and senior volleyball team in high school. And I showed up to every practice, you know, on time and, the starting lineup was based on who showed up the most, but I was the worst on the team, but I showed up the most. So I would be in the starting lineup, just missing the ball, (laughs) just like losing our school, the games, like, you know, all all that stuff definitely set me up to be able to, you know, sort of handle the, the stuff that I was doing from a pretty young age, I think. But 
Um, yeah, I think I think it's actually a luxury long term, but definitely doesn't feel like it at the time. Yeah. So the crew league, that's another interesting one to me. How did you? How did that happen? How did that come about? Um, and if I guess for anyone listening who's not uh, familiar with it, if like a quick intro of, of kind of what that is. Yeah. So it's a all rapper and entourage basketball league. You know, rappers and their crews playing four on four on a shortened court. It's on Revolt TV, produced by Diddy. Uh, you know, Drake came, Chris Brown, Jack Harlow co-hosted it, Drewski co-hosted it, Aiden Ross was the co-host of the last season. Um, you know, Sway Lee won season one. It's a lot of fun. You know, everybody everybody comes out, and uh, you know, it started in 2020 during the pandemic, and they had reached out to me because they wanted me to do a podcast around it, like a crew league podcast, and then I asked them do you guys have a play-by-play broadcaster? Because that was my background, having done a little bit, you know, uh, having done a lot in high school and then a little bit with the NBA and, and, and some other stuff. And they were like, no, but do we need that? And I was like, yeah, you can't have a broadcast of a sport without a play-by-play. They were just thinking they were going to have comedians. And uh, so they were like, all right, let's do it. So I did season one for free just to test it out. I didn't believe until like two days before that it was actually going to work, that they were going to get a dozen rappers in the same place at the same time. Like that concept was ludicrous having, you know, done a lot of stuff in, in the music world and working with labels as well. Um, you know, I, I just didn't believe it, but they pulled it off and season one went great. There were some super viral moments and then season two is 10 times bigger and Drake came and, you know, the hysteria around that was cool. Uh, you know, in season three, it was even bigger and, this uh, we're filming season four in August in Atlanta, but that's just like, you know, it's funny people, um, you know, like the outside perspective, like crew league is literally two to four days a year for me. And people think that like, you know, Oh, you, you do the crew league. Like that's like, that's what your time consists of. But no, we, we filmed the whole season in two days. Um, so we film, you know, it's like 12 hour days on camera, just, game after game after game after game. It's probably the hardest broadcasting uh, you know, job I can think of. Uh, I asked, um, I had Mike Breen on my podcast and, and I, I've asked him you know, for advice a few times out and hit on that. And he's just like, I wish you the best of luck. Drink a lot of honey and tea. And uh, the best advice he gave me though was he was like, don't talk on the phone around when you're broadcasting games because when you're on the phone you tend to talk louder and and hurt your vocal cords for the day so i'll never forget that but uh but yeah that that's sort of how the crew league came about and that's been a lot of fun it's been cool to be part of a you know or like a real successful show you know like where episodes have been number one trending on all of google and youtube and uh, that's that's been a lot of fun. So I'm excited to see where that goes. You know, I think eventually it'll be all sorts of different sports. Um, I've been pitching ping pong very hard, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, soccer is definitely going to happen. Crew league soccer for you know European and, and Latin artists. Uh, but yeah, that, that's that's how the crew league came about, and that's that's been a lot of fun to be a part of. And one of the things that I put like you know the highest on the list of things that I do that that you know feel fulfilling. Well, I was going to ask that. What's the, what, which of all these things you do, which one, if you can rank them, which one's the, gets you the most excited? For the last two years, it's been collectibles. It's doing collectibles content and building collections and going to shows and just meeting people, whether it be in NFTs or physical collectibles, um, you know, podcasting that, you know, sort of a, a combination between those and, you know, through my NFT projects sort of ties them together. Um, but, you know, doing, doing collectibles content. Like I'm in the process of trying to, you know, digitize every asset in the world just for fun, like do a short video on every item that I think is important in the history of the world. My goal is to have like 200,000 videos in the next couple of years. We're at like uh, 8,000 now. Um, you know, so just doing that, seeing what happens. Uh, but yeah, that, that stuff's a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, I think being a part of, you know, all these different companies um, and just, and I'm sure you feel the same way with the companies you're involved in, just being able to like pop into these different worlds for like 
five, 10 minutes at a time on text with like the founders or whoever it is, is just so much fun. Like I invested in a local bagel company that started in my hometown of Connecticut that my buddy uh, Darren Ravel got me involved in pop-up, which, which you had. And, um, you know, just like see that expand into different areas. And then, you know, now they're going across the country or like U-Ball, which is a portable basketball hoop, obviously very on brand. And then I'm able to, you know, provide more value than just an investment by allowing them access to my media platforms and all these other things. So I think the most fulfilling and exciting thing is seeing how all the different things connect. And like you were saying, you know, in in terms of stacking, that's the easiest way for me to compartmentalize that um, because one thing benefits the next. I have a basketball player on my podcast. Okay. We can utilize this media platform that that we, I just already have. Um, Or, you know, I'd show off this collectible uh, through my podcast. Oh, we've, you know, Cards Nation, we have this platform. And eventually, you know, I hope for it to be sort of that asset for others, um, you know, and I think I'm pretty good at uh, spotting talent too. Um, I have no interest in, you know, using any of that for anything other than like trying to put them on, but I get a lot of fulfillment out of, out of that too, you know, and making like introductions and helping, you know, get people seen. Yeah. So I want to talk about the uh, the NFT project, <clears throat> Utility Mics, but also what you just said was interesting because you just said, I think I'm pretty good at this. And before you said you spent your whole life thinking you were terrible at everything. So when, what, when was the transition? Like, you know, when do you think you started thinking or saying out loud, I'm pretty good at this? Um, when I realized that I was terrible at everything that I didn't want to do and great at everything that I did want to do was, you know, around the time that I graduated high school, because all of a sudden I had time. I never had time. Well, what was that? You know, I got up at 7am, felt like crap all day at school because I was just told constantly that I sucked and wasn't smart or good at anything or, or was going to be anything like nonstop. It's, it's just what by default, you know, certain school systems do to you if you're not a good student. And uh, then, and then I would like take a nap and wake up and work for a few hours and do, you know, do it over again. And, um, you know, so I, I think when I started to have time and put all my energy and focus into the things that I like doing, that's when I, I realized I could, um, you know, I could, I could do things. Yeah. And eventually that led you to start an NFT project. Can you give us a little, little rundown on that and kind all of, of all of that on? led straight to the NFT project. <laughs> <laughs> if only I had invested in crypto when I was in high school. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't have any money back then. Um, but you know, so the utility mics. I knew. I saw what was happening, and I knew. You know, supply and demand a little bit from uh, from the sports card world. So I wanted to try to make it as as small as possible to guarantee its success. Because I was like, all right. I see my friends are doing like 20,000, 50,000 item projects and I could try that. Maybe it'll go well, maybe it'll fail, or I could guarantee its success. Why wouldn't I guarantee its success? So I released one per episode. At the time, it was 100 episodes at like 0.05 ETH, which at the time was like 150 bucks. And I guaranteed off the bat that they would get that value back in the form of sports cards and collectibles, which I had you know, already this huge collection from over many, many years that I could you know, sort of uh, utilize for this and build legitimacy in the project and, and prove these things out. So I did. And uh, you know, also you know, access, early access to all the podcast episodes. And, you know, it's, it's fun stuff. Like, you know, original clips, of Adam Sandler and Anthony Edwards and Tracy McGrady, like those are the last three guests on the podcast and, you know, being able to get people into those and eventually, um, you know, getting mic holders, Q and A's with these sorts of people, live events, things like that. But the value guarantee was, you know, from the jump, what I said for fact will be, you'll get packages multiple times a year filled with collectibles that you never, you know, maybe you never even thought of or knew existed. Like this last one I sent out, Topps 2020 cards, uh, PSA slabbed cards, uh, ancient Greek and Roman and Chinese and uh, Canadian and uh, Swiss coins, um, all sorts of different stuff like stamps, 
I need, uh, my ad- I need to put my address somewhere. Yeah, in the Discord. In the Discord. <laughs> Never send them all out there. Um, but yeah, so I guaranteed that. And then, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that I haven't, you know, shared yet, but I've, I've hinted at like, you know, when I work with brands, um, you know, on, on all sorts of different stuff, the mic holders are the first people in mind, you know, for that. So, um, the way that from the beginning, I was like, all right, if I do all this stuff at 0.05 and they're only a hundred and it only increases by like one or two a week or month max, you know, I think we're, we're setting ourselves up pretty well. So that, that was a thought. Um, I think the mics are my, like, you know, how like in no way, shape or form, I'm like, comparing myself to him, but I'm using the, uh, you know, example of like doing some, the same item or drawing for like 20 years as, as the crossover here, like Takashi Murakami has, has, you know, been doing the flower for like 25 years on everything in all different forms the mic, I want to try to make it, you know, my flower in that sense, where it's like, you know, in every medium, everything that I do, it, it, I will always be using a mic. Well, I'll always be using mics on every collectibles video I do, on every podcast I do, on every podcast I'm a guest on, on everything. It's a mic. Um, you know, so I, I think this is going to be my, you know, thing. And this NFT project is just the origin of that. So it'll be the rookie so what gives you the patience, right? You've talked about Hoops Nation one day will expand into different categories. You talked about you want to make a video for every item in the world over time. And I know we've talked about it before, and I had never thought of it, to be honest, until you until you talked to me about it, about how there's such a so much content about what's happening now, but evergreen content is, has so much more value over time as it as it stacks and stacks. You've got the mic where you're talking about down the line, you're going to use this on everything. Like where does the patience come from? To know, like, hey, I'm I'm doing all this, and same with that stacking. It's all I'm doing all these things with a view of what's going to happen down the line. I'm not really worried about today, tomorrow, next week, next month. Well, I'm grateful that I don't have to be. Um, you know, when I I remember when I first moved into the city, like I had to think about paying, like, making money to pay rent, so I would like be working with music labels, and I enjoyed that but i didn't enjoy it as much as what i'm doing now or even close because that was more you know focused on on making money um you know so once i sort of got over that initial hump i could really focus in on you know building things out but you know i feel i feel very lucky i've you know it sounds messed up to say but like i've done most of the things that i wanted to do you know in life by 21 you know like i've been on stage with my favorite artists I've met a lot of the people that I wanted to meet, you know, a lot of people that I looked up growing up to, I'm friends with now. Um, you know, I, I don't have to worry about, you know, dollars. I feel like I have good friends, family's good, knock on wood. And, you know, I feel like, um, you know, I sort of did it all. So now the rest is just, you know, gravy. So I think that's how I'm able to, you know, be, be pretty, patient with things because no matter how it turns out I'm, I'm pretty happy because i feel like i've already been at like during covid for example i wanted to travel the country and so i did it i spent two years spending a month in a different city every month i did la austin miami dallas nashville like connecticut new york and you know now i know all these cities like the back of my hand i i've given myself a lot of freedom to be able to do what i want to do and you know because of that i feel like i've done a lot of stuff that I want to do. And that tends to the question. That's, that's why, you know, I I think the way that I do. Do you have like a, so Steph Curry, right? He's another uh, nice guy, successful, but you know, they just won the championship. And the first thing he's doing is he's, he's referencing a bunch of people, you know, comments that were made on, on talk shows or social media. He's famous for apparently in halftime reading social media clips to get himself get himself going. He's kind of got that hidden petty edge. And I, and I, when I saw that, I thought to myself, you know, I, I know for me, I've got a, I've got an internal chip on my shoulder, right? Like I'll remember if someone doesn't say hi to me, I'll remember if someone looks at me or I interpret their look at me, like they don't believe that I'm going right. to accomplish what I'm going to accomplish. Do you, do you have that, that kind of like internal Dude. edge that you just don't tell people about when you look in the mirror, you're like, it's so funny. I wish I did so bad. Like watching the last dance, I'm like, how do I get this? Like, how do I, like, why am I not? I feel like there's something wrong with me that I'm not like that. Cause I don't care about anybody 
from the sense of like, if they're nice and they want to be friends, I just want to help them. And if they're not, I still want to help them. <laughs> you know, I, that's just how I am naturally. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been like that. Like, I can't even think of an example. Um, well, what's your voice? You, you're, you're about to do something big. Maybe, I don't know, record something or, or pitch something. You look in the mirror. You catch yourself looking in the mirror while you're washing your hands and any little pep talk to yourself? Like, what do you say? No, I just, if I'm ever like nervous about something, I always remind myself like, this is good. Like, you're only nervous when you're doing something big or something you should be doing. So being nervous is a sign that, you know, you're doing something great and you should be happy about that and, you know, try to, try to savor it. I wish I was nervous more, um, you know, like so I still, I get nervous, you know, I try to get nervous as much as possible, you know, uh, <laughs> I think it's so healthy, but yeah, I don't, I don't really have that voice. Um, I'm definitely hard on myself. Like I want to do as much as possible. Um, and if, you know, the voice is more just like, you know, like for, you know, working out, it's like, all right, no days off season. You got, you know, you did this to yourself. You got this brand now. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta keep it up. Um, so that gets me there. So I just have like little things on each front, but it never has to do with anybody else. They're the only person I'm competing with is me. And, you know, fortunately, you know, I, I, I set a, you know, I feel like I set a decent barrier for myself that I got to, or a you know, level that I, I got to keep trying to exceed. So that's yeah. where I think that comes from. And so two more questions. One, um, you got a lot going on. Do you have a team that helps you? Are you coordinating all this stuff yourself? Are you, are you, and if you have a team, like what is, what is the, what does the team look like? And if, and if you don't, why? Yeah. So the team is, it, it varies, um, a lot. So like, I have somebody who helps with like meetings and individual things like that. His name's Eli. He's the best. Um, and biz dev for the podcast. I have like, a, I have different people for like different social components of it. So like I have s- some people who help with like uh, clips for the podcast. And then, you know, obviously like these, these teenagers that I was talking about for, um, for hoops nation. So I have some people on that front and then I'm always looking for just like talented people that want to jam on like on new stuff too. So it, but it, it, it varies. Um, you know, pretty frequently, but, um, you know, the people who are, who are in it, they've been in it for a while. And then investing. So you've, um, you know, I've seen from social, we talked about a little bit, you've made a, you've made a, a few investments. Do you yeah. see investing becoming a bigger, a bigger thing for you over time? Do you have like a, a goal at some point of, you know, raising a fund or getting more into that? Or is it more just a passion thing? I've never taken in, like I never took investment on Hoops Nation. I couldn't sleep at night if I was playing with other people's money. Um, that's just the way that I am because I have to over deliver on everything I do. Like that's, I really only do things if it's a risk to myself or a guaranteed win for everybody else. So like the mics, it was a guaranteed win. Like I knew that adding in at the price point that I set it at. If I, if I said to you, uh, you give me $150 and I'll give you back $150 today and you own this thing, you'd be like, all right, pretty, pretty obvious. Um, I didn't say that, obviously. I wanted people who were actually into it to be into it. But yeah, I mean, on the investment front, you know, some of it will depend on, on how the things go. If, if I have a little bit of success at it, obviously I'll be more, you know, eager to continue doing it. Um, on the collectibles investment side too. Like I, you know, we didn't, we didn't talk much yet about the um, Lincoln and Washington obsession that I have. That's a pretty, that's the biggest percentage of my money that I've put anywhere into companies or into collectibles. So, you know, I, I I look at those like companies too, because you can, um, you know, my, my sort of thesis on museum quality assets is that, you know, you can loan them to museums for, three to 6% of overall value annually. Um, and there are only certain items that you can do that for. And, you know, the stuff that I like to collect falls in, I try to make it fall into that bucket. So it is by default, you know, a business, if you can you know, yeah. get dividends for it in a sense. So it's a revenue producing asset. And that's, that's sort of how I look at those two. So I look at those businesses. Like I invested in the Abraham Lincoln business. I invested in the George Washington business. I invested in the, Titanic business. Hopefully that one doesn't sink, but 
uh, you know, that's, uh, that, that's a lot of fun, but I, I think, you know, whether, how much I pursue that whole world will come down to, um, you know, partially how, how successful it all is. So we'll see. As you, as you transitioned to collect, you transitioned, I imagine you started with sports cards. You transitioned more into these um, historical pieces. Have you continued to collect sports cards? Because, you know, talking about stacking, a struggle for me is when I got back into sports cards, I dove head first. I was obsessed. Then I, I, know. <laughs> then I transitioned into collecting more, you know, more NFTs. But when I did that, I just didn't have the, the mind share to then still keep track of all the sports stuff. And so it's kind of like I... I yo-yo between them. Like if I get more into cards, I'm not paying attention to NFTs. If I'm paying more attention to NFTs, I stop paying attention to cards. Do you still uh, you able to to focus on all these things, or do you kind of find yourself with I'm into this right now. I might get back into that later. Oh no, I I stay in it. Yeah, I don't like back to your point. You know, I never really thought about it in the way that you put it, but yeah, I don't I don't really leave things that I do. It's it's really additive. Um, okay. Like I can't think of a single thing that I've like left that I've really been deeply involved in or started ever oh. other than like, if it was a iteration, like if it was the same thing, just the next version of it, but yeah, I'm still, still buying cards, you know, look at me, uh, you know, like an idiot. Um, but you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun and I, I love unique stuff and I love history. You know, history is timeless. We learn, like my education is through this stuff too, you know, like the amount of knowledge I have on Abraham Lincoln and George Washington, you know, I could, I could probably give a lecture on both of these guys, um, you know, and a lot of the presidents and U.S. history, and it teaches me a lot of, you know, valuable lessons. And I, I just get excited when things happen, even like this market downturn, like, I don't know how exciting it is for you. <laughs> Maybe you've been through it before, but for me, it's exciting because I don't have you know enough skin in the game as to where like my life is affected. It's just educational because I have this you know very long term mindset of like, all right, this is going to happen a few more times in my life. Let me learn as much as I can from this. So I'm just trying to read as much as I can, trying to study as much as I can because. You know, maybe I don't have a few million dollars liquid or more than that to put it, just throw in at the right time, da, da, da. but maybe one day I will. So I want to, you know, try to be, be smart uh, and on any scale that anybody's at, you know, you can always make the most of the situation. I'm the opposite there. Cause I, I do have the ability to not pay attention to things. And so for me, for me, it's, it's very easy for me to just be like, Oh, I didn't even, I forgot about that. And so I just try to take, you know, sometimes in, in the down markets, I just, Instead of trying to sit there and rack my brains for the way to outsmart it, I just focus on something else. And then it's kind of like, oh, look, this is back up. Okay, let's focus on that again. Yeah, What's well, the, you um, had a lot of success, so I don't, I don't, you know, you're all right. Well, I'm still going on that, uh, on that 40 failures to find a success, but, I, but it, you know, as long as you get the right successes, you can, um, you can make that model work pretty, pretty well. What's, the, um, what's a 30-second story? Or lesson, I guess. Maybe you, with your his, historian, your new title of historian. What's a thirty-second story, or lesson, or something you haven't told before, or something people may not know about you that you think might be interesting to listeners? I lied about the two more questions part. Apparently, I'm starting to realize. No, it's okay. Um, something interesting about me that I haven't told. I don't know. I feel like a few of those stories in there earlier. Um, I will say something funny that I realized that went sort of randomly viral recently i was like i'm very odd in how i think like i also love paleontology and dinosaurs and well obviously love george washington so i was like huh i wonder if george washington knew dinosaurs existed and i looked up the dates and the dates um george washington died before dinosaurs were acknowledged so i was like huh george washington never knew dinosaurs existed like the you know uh, first president of the United States, one of the most impactful people in world history, modern world history, at least, didn't know dinosaurs. So I tweeted it and then like all these fact pages and it was funny to start sharing it. But that's something you probably didn't know. So now you I, know. It. <laughs> that was definitely something I didn't know. All right. So I uh, would like to ask a final question. If you could spend the day with one athlete or entrepreneur, who would it be and, and why? So I saw Warren Buffett just sold a lunch for, I think it was $19 million. And my friend Ravel and I were talking, we were like, 
I asked him, I was like, which would you rather go to space with Jeff Bezos or have lunch with Warren Buffett? We both said lunch with Warren Buffett because space you can do later and it's only going to get more affordable. This is the last lunch Warren Buffett's doing. He said he's not going to do another one of these charity lunches. So, um, yes. What would you you rather have, $19 million or lunch with Warren Buffett? (laughs) That's tricky. Uh, (laughs) I thought tricky for me. I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd probably take the 19 million and read every Warren Buffett book in the world. <laughs> Let's get, yeah, yeah, 19 million and buy a bunch of Warren Buffett autographs. There you go. I mean, dude, Warren Buffett autographs have been a better investment than in Berkshire. It's amazing the things that uh, it's like an endless stream of things that you could think about, and you wonder why you didn't think about it. Think about it earlier. All right, so we made it all the way to the end. This is a bonus question for any listeners that got here with us. With your experience, what advice would you give to young entrepreneurs listening who are just getting started on their journey? Try to find something that you really like to do and build a business around it. Even if it makes $10 a week, just anything, and it'll get you in the doors. If you like podcasting, that's the easiest thing to do um, because it is this way to build relationships with people that you wouldn't otherwise get 30 minutes of their time, um, especially these days. So if I was into podcasting, I would, I would start a podcast and just interview people who are interesting to you um, and develop that conversational skill and social skills. Uh, if, you know, I'm doing, if I'm not into that, try to find something I'm super passionate about, build a business around it, take as many inter- internships as possible. There's no such thing as too small or, you know, there's, you know, I also believe there's a, you know, a lot of people that would say yes, that you don't think would say yes to certain and random things. It's all about a lot of it's catching people in the right mood from what I've learned. Like even with getting people on the podcast or other things, it's like, you, or, or meeting somebody, you catch somebody in the right mood or the wrong mood and it'll impact, you know, how things are heavily. So, you know, try to, try to find what you love. You know, it's easier said than done, but um, or something that you like and, and try to build around that as young as possible. Uh, you know, and then if you're trying to be crazy like me, don't go into the, you know, weed and alcohol and other things and don't go to parties and just focus on that. But, you know, teach his own. I just realized my son's 13. I'm going to have to go talk to him about uh, starting a starting a blog immediately. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't need to be a blog. Okay. Honestly, now now it's so much easier than it was back then. Now well, I would follow just, your, to follow your path, he'd have to start with a blog, then Facebook, then discover. No, he would do TikTok, 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 and mint friggin' NFTs because the storyline of like 13-year-old starts NFT collection is a banger that's tapped on every platform. I've told him so many times, just over and over, just give me something. Come on, quick, give me something. Let's get this going. But he's just... Draw a stick figure. Draw a stick figure. Yeah. He doesn't see it. No, I think... Appreciate you taking the time. Um, You know, we've talked quite a bit in the past, but I think for me, you know, this show is really about listening and learning more so than my traditional rambling. And I think that the, um, you know, the takeaways that I'm going to immediately implement are one, you know, this stacking... And taking the time to make sure that you're not neglecting one thing when you move on to the next thing. And then two, what really interesting was the was the time. You know, when you said that, I think it's really impactful for a lot of people. When you said the transition from thinking I wasn't good to I I am good was when I had the time to do to focus on what I'm passionate about. And that's you know, there's so much. Even when I look at myself, I was talking with, I was talking with my wife about this yesterday. Even just like all the things you do that. You're trying to tidy up because you're like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing that? Why am I doing this? And when you have a day where you have time to focus on what you want, it really is like amazing what can get done. So I think that's a really... I'll say this too. And this is something that I struggle with often. I don't struggle with it, but it is annoying. I'll put it that way. I'm very, very strict about time because of that, because I can only be good at anything and I can only do all the stacking and all these different things and be involved in all these companies and be able to say yes to come on your podcast and be able to do my podcast and go do all this stuff if I'm as strict with my time as possible. So um, I'll give this example. A company that I'm invested in, they asked me if I would be down to do a 30-minute uh, meeting every week with the whole team. And I said, no. 
And they were like, is it because of the days? Is it because this or that? And I said, I won't agree to 30 minutes a week. Like that adds up. That's over a day a year. That's like 1500 minutes a year. I look, I calculated. I didn't just do that in my head. I was a B level math student. Um, but you know, and they were, they were just like, I don't understand. Like you can't give 30 minutes to this. And I was like, if I give 30 minutes to you, then I got to give 30 minutes to everybody. And it's not just the 30 minutes. It's the day before thinking about those 30 minutes. And then it's on my calendar. Oh, I can't go for a run before. Oh, I have to wait till after. Maybe I'm not feeling that great that day. I don't, I don't, you know, maybe it feels like work because I have to join at that time. It all takes away. And then I'm, I'm sitting on the call and there are eight other people talking and all of a sudden, you know, I'm just, I'm just wasting my time and I'm not having fun. So I'm, I'm very, very strict, even for companies I'm involved in. And I'm like, oh, you know, you, you text me anytime I'm there when I want to be there. Um, the only things that I really like allocating time towards are things that are evergreen. Like I think this podcast is great. Hopefully it helps somebody, you know, things that are helpful to other people. I'm more than happy to, to do and try to do, or, you know, if, if it makes money that allows me to do other things, maybe I'm happy to do that. I don't, depends on the situation, but, um, yeah, being very, very, very strict with time, even with people that I, I care about, like, I don't hang out with anybody. Like that's not something that I do. Like I'm the same way that I didn't do like parties and, uh, drinking or smoking back then. I don't, I don't do any of that stuff now, but I added on, like, I don't really hang out with people. I hang out with my girlfriend and we do like physical activities and, fun stuff for fun and travel, but I don't, I don't like, I don't hang out. That's a very conscious decision. Yeah. No, you definitely learn usually as you get older, but obviously some at a younger age that you're, you're, there's a million choices, you know, and you just, you make some choices because you're used to them, but the little choices you make add up into big choices and big forks in the road. And, and, and time is really an important one. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your stories. It was great catching up and, and uh, really insightful. Um, anyone, by the way, congrats on the uh, championship. Thanks. That was uh, was not expecting that to happen again so soon. So, Warriors. Yeah, I thought it was. I personally thought I thought we we're gonna have to go into a little bit of a rebuild, but they said nope. We're gonna uh, <laughs> we're gonna rebuild and win at the same time. So it was uh, so exciting, and I think in a way almost more fulfilling because it was something you got a little complacent, you got a little used to. Then it was taken away, all the way down to being terrible. And so I can't, you know, for, I can't imagine for the for the players and everything how fulfilling that was. Where uh, where can people find you? Where can people find you that are listening, want to learn more? Yeah, I mean, at Buster, the Buster Show, right here on this podcast. Listen back to this episode. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, nobody's probably ever answered, where can you find me with, right here, right now, listen <laughs> back to the episode yeah. for more, for more uh, details. Um, no, yeah. If you look up my name, it'll it might come up, or it was fate that it didn't come up. Oh, you just dropped you just dropped a little Kevin Durant there. You know who I am. I'm Kevin Durant. <laughs> no, Kevin Durant definitely comes up when you search Kevin Durant. I said maybe it's fate if I don't come up. <laughs> 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 you gotta you gotta go to page two or three. Yeah. No, well, it's amazing what you've accomplished. Can't wait to see what you accomplish in the future. And um, yeah, no. Uh, inspiring a lot of people keep it up and thanks for coming on likewise all right all right thanks buster back to work 